Hello, and welcome to the Dakota Boys Talk Movies podcast, a podcast that is so unnecessary, we may do it forever. I'm here with the guy that takes us from boy to boys, Dakota. What's the word today, Dakota? That would be cake. Cake? <laughs> like birthday cake? Are you... Are you... Uh, any kind of cake. I just it's, love cake in general. This, I don't cake. discriminate. I'm kind of a, I'm a, I have to admit, I'm a cupcake guy. It just, I'm kind of the guy who like tries to fit like the whole cupcake in my mouth. I just want to eat it. But, yeah. So cake. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, this is our second episode and this marks the beginning of what this show will, be, will mostly be. A review of just one particular movie. Um, that we've gone to see. On our first episode, we talked a lot about a lot of different movies and could only really scratch bits of those. Probably didn't even get as in-depth as we could just because it was already an hour long. In our defense, though, we aren't able to see any of the movies we talked about. It's true. Yeah, it's all hearsay. It's all speculation. (laughs) I mean, they could all suck, and we'd all just look like complete douchebags. Marvel is due for a failure. Marvel... Hasn't I mean they've had like mediocres, but they haven't really failed. Everything has been able to work for them, and you always think they're due for a fail. And it's hard to be, believe it'll be uh, Age of Ultron, but it could be Ant Man. I think that's why they kind of rushed it along. Like, all right, dudes, you gotta you're taking the bullet for us on this one. <laughs> I, it, it feels like that, and then at the same time, it's like Phase Three could really be there. The the proof because you got Doctor Strange. And Captain Marvel, these ones that people aren't quite so familiar with. But, Guardians of the Galaxy, who knew them? Anyway, uh, this episode, we'll be reviewing the action-adventure film Beyond the Mask. Um, And we'll get more into that later. And before we get into that, um, just want to talk about a few news tidbits we got into. What's some news you heard this week, Dakota? Well, I don't know about you, but uh, for me, the big one was... Arrow star Stephen Amell is going to be playing Casey Jones in the next Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. That was a pretty big announcement. Um, I mean, he, he's a. I mean, he's he's got he's got the TV success. This is going to be his real what first big crossover into movies. I think the star of Arrow. Um, yeah, and he's going to be playing a fan favorite in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle world. So I don't think it's going to be much of a stretch for him, though. Really. <laughs> A uh, vigilante that runs around beating people up with clubs as opposed to shooting them with arrows. Uh, That's yeah. true. It's just a matter of, it seems like he plays a little dark, darker on Arrow. It's Casey Jones can some can be a little more lighthearted, so we'll have to see how he how he fits into that, if he's going to be a little more of the, the wink and a smirk <laughs> type guy or not. So, um, yeah, there is that. The other big thing that kind of happened over this past weekend was Furious 7 had a huge opening, Furious 7 nickname for Fast and the Furious 7 um, had a huge opening weekend $384 million that's gotta be pretty big for an April movie that's a lot of Washingtons, that's sure that is a lot of Washingtons, yeah, and so it's actually on track to be Universal Studios' first billion dollar movie, which my understanding is worldwide, obviously and my understanding is um, Universal is the only major studio that hasn't had a billion-dollar movie yet. They had Jurassic Park that hit billion, but only after it came back in 3D. And so they're probably really 
crossing their fingers on this one. It's kind of funny it took seven seven movies to do it in the for the Fast and Furious franchise anyway. I think they had a little help in the form of uh, the fact that uh, it was last Paul Walker's last movie. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, it's kind of the Heath Ledger thing with Dark Knight. I mean, that movie is going to be a success already, but Heath Ledger's death is really what caused box office tickets to go even higher, which is kind of weird. We're like, I want to go see a dead guy. You know, it's kind of like a painter, you know, you're like all of a sudden you're cooler when you're dead or something. So yeah, those are just a few of the news tidbits we caught for the week. Um, let's just go ahead. We'll move into our review of Beyond the Mask. I would just like to point out that this movie actually has nothing to do with superheroes. Yes, this is not, it's not a superhero movie. There is somewhat of a vigilante-ness to it, but... Yes, it's not in the comic book world at all. And it's actually one of these movies where it's kind of was on a micro budget, so to speak, and they were kind of having people bring it to their hometowns themselves, kind of like, if you want it, buy a ticket ahead of time and we'll bring it to your town. And, and it happened in our town, so we got a chance to see it as kind of a one-night engagement type thing. And I think that's really how it's making its way across the country, kind of this bring it in, word of mouth type campaign. So it's kind of the way of the world now where everything's kind of becoming a social media word of mouth success story or <laughs> failure story in some cases. But Honestly, I think that's a little a little better, though. Um, I think I trust, like, if a friend of mine came up to me and was telling me, oh, hey, I just saw this really cool movie. You should check it out. I'd probably be more trusting of that than... I don't know, whoever the critic is at Rolling Stone or the LA Times. Yeah, or even Dakota Boys. <laughs> yeah, those jerks. <laughs> I hate them. It's true. I mean, in a way, you could say the social media thing is a good thing just because another aspect of it is a commercial can get you excited about a movie, but it's like you said, you get more excited when someone you trust goes, you really need to go, and what I like to hear is, I'll pay for your ticket even. <laughs> you know, That's what I want to hear. <laughs> Call the shot, Mr. Brand. One last time. On my mark. Fire! William, have I not impressed upon you the opportunities that could await you in the Americas? Charles. You are the man that I need there. I'm done. You mean that? Yes. Make sure he's dead. Driver! Your carriage is on fire! was a sense of divine justice that an assassin like me should be forced to live a different life. I'm looking for Benjamin Franklin. You're Mr. Franklin. Now that depends. Do I owe you money? Can a man who has made his life a web of lies earn trust again? It helps that I believe in forgiveness. This movie was made by a, a, a studio. They call themselves the Burns Family Studio. They are they're a family, and they uh, so one of them, Chad Burns, directed it, and him and he had a brother. They worked together on kind of the story, and then they it was written by Paul McCusker, which Dakota. I don't know if you're familiar with that name, Paul McCusker. Ah, uh, does not ring a bell. It was actually Paul McCusker was really the reason I really wanted to see this. I mean. He was he was really the the draw once I saw his name attached just because uh well he's never written a full length movie 
um, that I know of anyway. I don't think he has. But he's a really good storyteller. He does. He's done a lot of radio theaters. Like he did a radio theater of, of Bonhoeffer's story, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, Christmas Carol, and he wrote a lot of episode episodes of uh, the radio program Adventures in Odyssey. Which, uh, if there was an Adventures of Odyssey episode that you really liked or involved the Imagination Station, it was probably written by Paul McCusker. And so. I had knew of him just because that, and I was slightly familiar with the Burns just because they had a movie come out, I don't know, eight-ish years ago called Pendragon, Sword of His Father, and it won some indie awards, and I had, I had, I had kind of heard of it and saw parts of it, and it was really indie. It was like, everybody in the movie's last name was Burns. Like, they basically made the movie themselves, and... Well, was that a fantasy movie? Yeah, it was, it was kind of a medieval King Arthur type story. So, no. those are my favorite King Arthur stories, by the way. Those ones where it's set in the future just don't feel the same to me. Yeah, especially if it's King Arthur in the future. There was one of those, too, wasn't there? <laughs> yes, there was. What was that one? Oh, I can barely remember. There was a Beowulf set in the future, too. Oh, a, God, yeah. Um, it was, they go crazy with some yeah. of these stories. Beowulf 3000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just ridiculous. Um but yeah, so I, I had been familiar with them for that. And it was one of those things where it was really indie, like so it was like their family members. But they had a certain amount of production value where you could see they kind of cared for how the movie looked. You know, they wanted to do a good job. And so when I was kind of like, well, God, they have a guy doing it. You know, they have a guy who can help them with the story. They seem to have an idea of a visual style. You know, this could this could work. Um, and so, yeah, I was just excited when I heard about that and dragged my boy Dakota here to go. I'm like, Dakota, we're going to this. <laughs> Dang it. Um, and so we'll just, we'll just kind of run through the, the plot of it. I'm just give you, this is just kind of the synopsis of it. But what he is, 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 uh, well, he's basically a mercenary assassin for the East India company. Will Reynolds is his name. And he was double crossed and now he's on the run in the American colonies. And it's kind of his story of redeeming his name, winning back the woman he loves, um, who he's kind of lied to about who he was. And so now he's hiding behind a mask in hopes of thwarting off his former employer, trying to try to thwart him off through the means of using this mask to stop his, stop his, his evil employer that basically tried to kill him, evil deeds and things like that. And the thing is, his past is, you know, coming back to haunt him. And, you know, Will's working to gain the trust and help of his beloved, you know, his woman. He loves Charlotte, as well as the help of Ben Franklin, who's in the movie. Um, and they're just trying to race against time. They end up coming across this giant plot to basically keep America from happening is really what it kind of boils down to. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of a rundown of... of what the movie really is about there and uh initial thoughts coming out of the movie dakota how do you feel about it well overall i'd probably say it was a pretty good movie um i was a little surprised at the style of it it kind of reminded me of uh um i actually have seen movies on the bbc i'm probably like one of the few <laughs> that i know but it kind of reminded me of those and then um like what you're talking like, what kind of BBC movies? Um, just some of the, uh, 
period pieces they do, like the style of the clothing. Uh, it wasn't a very flashy movie, but it had its own style, its own feel. Yeah, um, sure. Obviously, not a lot of <laughs> not a lot of people walking around talking like us. Everyone very British. Yeah, um, right, right. Um, and then it also kind of had that. Uh, uh, the swashbuckler uh, theme going on, you know, the guy running over rooftops. Yeah. Getting into sword fights, beating people up. <laughs> yeah, it kind of, to me, because when I came out of it, like, my feel of just, like, if just looking at the feel of the movie, I had kind of Pirates of the Caribbean mixed with Zorro, mixed with, like, Assassin's Creed, how he's always punching guys down, jumping off rooftops, <laughs> beating up guards, you know, and... And, yeah, especially that one scene where he's, like, swinging from the signs, you know, up into the <laughs> yeah. roof. I was like, holy cow, it's like Assassin's Creed, which is a video game, for those of you who don't know, where you run around and beat up guards. <laughs> it's kind of like this, as a mercenary. I think this is the kid-friendly form of the. Yeah, definitely kid-friendly. <laughs> this is rated PG. This movie is rated PG. Nobody is getting so. stabbed <laughs> or shot. Well, shot. That, yeah, I, well, that was, well, let's talk about that. I mean, it was, it was a PG family movie. But I was actually surprised, you know, I mean, there were some parts where, even though it was that, people, I mean, people died, and they showed people die, they even showed, there was a scene where it got pretty dark, where he basically ended up killing a guy, and he's out in the, you know, burying the guy in a grave, before anybody finds out that this guy was around and that he killed him, you know, I mean, that's pretty dark, you know, when you're talking, it's a movie for family, um, yeah, especially considering the fact that he really killed the guy with his own two hands. I mean, he didn't really... Yeah, and I think the, they try to, like, how they get away with it is like, well, you know, that guy kind of started the scuffle, and he pushed him against the fireplace mantle or something, you know, where it's like, see, it's not so bad that... Because that's kind of how you always get away with, like, the superheroes even, you know, or the the main hero getting away. If, if you want... When the director wants you to remember that he's a good guy, they always have the guy that he kills, like, as an accident, or him go, no, don't do that, and then the guy, you know, dies or something. Because, I mean, and that's, I think, people's problem with the new Man of Steel, was that it felt like Superman's snapping of Zod's neck was so intentional that they're like, no, I mean, it's okay that Zod died, but it just felt like Superman wanted to do it, you know, whereas we like it when he goes, I don't want to do this, you know, type of thing, you know, just, and I think, you know, that's how director's trying to get away with you still being okay with your protagonist, even though he's killing people, you know? Yeah, there's, well, there's a ton of movies. Uh, like even, you know, Good Cop going against all the bad guys will eventually make some accidents and... Yeah, yeah. You know, bad guy, bystanders, people will get shot. I mean, it's just... It's just one of those things in storytelling to, uh... Yeah, I mean, it was... I mean, that was the thing. Every death in this was something that progressed the story. I guess I was just surprised as a movie that, um, you know, they're like, you know, we're we're Christian people and we're, we're making this family movie. I guess I was just kind of actually surprised. I'm not saying I was, like, mad or angry. I was just surprised that it had that, you know, because sometimes they try to, like... Everybody just gets boo boos, you know, <laughs> or something. You know, it's kind of like kind of like Looney Tunes, where yeah, an anvil lands on him, but he just kind of accordions himself away, you know, or something. You know, even the George of the Jungle that that Brendan Fraser George of the Jungle in the '90s, where <laughs> that guy falls off that cliff, and they're like, 
this is this is a kids movie. You don't expect somebody to die. You know the narrator says that. And the, all of a sudden the guy's back with just a really bad boo boo <laughs> on his head. You know, it's like that's the kind of thing you kind of expect more. And uh, but I thought it really helped pull you into the story that you know that this guy, this is who that's who he was. Yeah, he wasn't very nice. I mean, they kind of implied that he. They don't go into detail, but. Apparently he was responsible for a lot of atrocities in India. Yeah, right. When he was, yeah, when he was working for them, they kind of show some real, yeah, you're right, really quick flashbacks. But you're seeing that he has a pretty dark past, more than even what we saw him do in the, well, the present of the movie, 1775 (laughs) and 76. Um, Yeah, I know what you're saying, though. Um, It did really kind of set up his darkness you know, in his life. So kind of, okay, so we've kind of been talking about, you know, how we felt like just kind of overall, how do you feel about, like, like we talked about, this was basically, for lack of a better word, I couldn't find an exact number of what this was made for. I did see they had done a Kickstarter to raise 20000 and raising 25000 Obviously, that was just kind of like a make sure people actually want this movie type fundraiser. I'm, I'm you know, this movie's made for more than 25000 but it was still made on a micro budget comparatively to some other big swashbucklers out there. How did you feel about production value of this of this movie, Dakota, with that in mind? I would say it was actually pretty good. Um, a lot of attention to detail. Um, a lot of uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't like the old you know Star Trek style of fighting. You know where Kirk would throw a punch or a kick and <laughs> the guy would go flying. You actually saw people getting punched in the face and kicked and a guy running over rooftops making these really tremendous leaps and a lot of effects, uh, practical effects, mind you. Um, and then some pretty good uh, CGI, too. So I was I was surprised that it was a very well-put-together movie. Yeah, I'm 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 the I'm same boat as you where when I was looking, and I honestly, well, partially because I knew we were going <laughs> to, talk about it i was really paying attention to production value a little bit and i was i was really surprised um at how well it looked where i, I was yeah in terms of like costuming things like that you know everyone's where you're like that guy really doesn't fit the period you know i felt like everyone was really fitting in the period everyone seemed to be really as far as main actors everyone i thought really fit their parts and that they did a good job with feeling the period. Nobody felt, like, really out of place. You know, they felt like they were really embracing who they were in their roles, where you're not like, well, that's definitely a 21st century guy, you know, in this movie. I felt like they all did a pretty good job at embracing their roles. And, I mean, some of that is that, as far as prestige of actors in this movie, there's really only one. You know, John Reese davies was the only one in the movie that I think anybody will really know. This is For those of you who don't know who that is, even, he would be... Um, What's his name in Indiana Jones? He's Indiana Jones' kind oh, of... I am the master of the sea. <laughs> you know, he's that guy in Indiana Jones. Um, what is his name? Sa- Salim? Oh, man, I feel terrible that I forgot. Um, and he's also, for for more recent, more recently for you people, he'd be Gimli <laughs> in Lord I, of the Rings. I honestly think that's what he's going to be remembered for just because uh, the Lord of the Rings was just so huge. And he was pretty good at... And in that movie, it's just, you're you're not going to be able to shake 
the image of him with that beard, you know. Oh yeah, talking, in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, talking with that gravelly voice and yeah, and in, and that's the thing. He, um, in this movie, he was actually the antagonist. I guess he was kind of the the main villain, and uh, we'll we'll try to keep this as spoiler free as possible as far as different twists in the movie. But it's not a spoil like I'm what I'm getting. It's not a spoiler that we said he's the villain. I mean, you know, I mean, he's the main guy, Will's boss from the get go, and you know, he's he's the baddie. Um, but I thought I thought he was good. It, it's a role he could have easily over embellished, and I didn't really feel like he went too over the top. You could tell he seemed to be enjoying himself as the bad guy, but I never felt like he was over the top. You know, he kind of reminded me of uh, the character Blowfield in the James Bond movies. <laughs> he just needed a cat. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll get you a bo- yeah. But that when we came out of the movie. That was one of the... You said by the end of this movie, you kind of felt a little bit of a James Bond feel, which I thought was interesting, because I didn't feel that at all, but maybe I was trying to... I was trying to keep myself in the in the time period, and maybe Dakota was able to transcend the time period better than I was, that you felt the bond in it. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting that you were saying that, but I could see that a little bit. Just because he, he did have a sinister plot. And just the way, you know, the way he enunciated words, I mean... Very, very forceful, forceful speaking man. I mean... Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's kind of... If you want a big guy who speaks forcefully, John Reese davies is who you get, you I'm, know? I'm pretty sure we could prop this guy up outside a grocery store on a box and have him read, like, a grocery list. And a crowd of people would just form around him, like... People would be throwing <laughs> coins thinking the man was doing Shakespeare and he'd be reading Butter, Milk, and Eggs. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And so, I mean, you did have that little bit of receipt of John Reese, but as far as everyone else, they were, I mean, they're basically nobodies. I mean, the guy who played Will Reynolds, who's who's the lead, the guy who's actually in the mask, and then his, his beloved, Charlotte, they're kind of, they kind of are TV people, but they're not really known by any stretch. I mean, the TV shows they're in are, they're not like huge. You know, like you were talking about Steve, Stephen Amell earlier. Yeah. And, you know, he's someone that people, like, know better than I was like, oh, Stephen Amell. But these people, they're in TV shows, but you don't really know them at that capacity. Um, I thought the like act- that. I really thought the actor that played Benjamin Franklin was, uh, did a, probably, uh, probably the best concerning the little amount of script time he had. I he mean, did, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, you're right, because, you know, Ben, yeah, the Ben Franklin is in this movie, but, yeah, he isn't. A huge role. He's just important at times. The one thing I found distracting with Ben Franklin was that, I mean, at, by this point, Ben Franklin was in his 80s. And I felt like that guy didn't look in his 80s. <laughs> that would be my only kind of, something that kind of pulled me out a little bit with Ben Franklin. But otherwise, in terms of presenting himself and how he said things, he felt very Franklin-esque, you know. You know. So it was, it, was kind of a, it was kind of one of those, kind of one of those examples of, he captured the spirit of how I think we people who actually have read biographies of Franklin think of Franklin, but didn't necessarily look that. And George Washington has like a cameo in this, and I thought the guy who was George Washington didn't look anything like George <laughs> Washington. It was like they're like, "Hey, Bob," you know, like Bob the boom mic holder. Can you come over here and put on this wig and be be George Washington? I mean, he didn't look anything like George Washington, but I think they were just like, "Well, he just needs to be in this one scene," you know, type thing. Yeah, I think but, he was only in it for, what, like, three, four minutes? Yeah. 
<laughs> Maybe slightly so longer. If you had gotten up to go to the bathroom in the right in the right time, you would have missed him pretty much. You would have missed it. But it would be an important thing to miss, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, so we like we said, we kinda talked about this what the story was, how he's an assassin who is double crossed and 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 he ends up become become another person. He ends up kind of becoming another person. Uh takes his identity and this is this is when he meets the girl so the girl doesn't realize who he is right away like did you did you think like this whole story worked did you like as far as will's progression and maybe even the love story did you feel all that really worked dakota well i would say it did um it was all kind of Oh, what's the phrase? Uh, just a series of mishaps that led him to to finding this woman that he fell in love with, uh, you know, uh, without giving too much away. Uh, his boss tries to have him taken out. Right. Um, goes through all these unfortunate things happen to him and eventually winds up uh, on, on this girl's uh, property and she kind of saves his life. And it just goes from there. Uh, so I I don't know if you don't if you don't look too much at the story um, because there really isn't one that leads her to him. But that's okay because it it kind of all flows. It does, and you know, and that's the thing. Like the identity he takes is a vicar, which that isn't a spoiler. They kind of imply that in the in the trailer. Um, and so right away he's this vicar, and that's it's that's kind of the funny thing is he goes from being this deadly assassin to and he's a vicar and so that's when he meets her as he come they think he's the new vicar and they just kind of do a montage over I'm, I'm, we're, I, I guess we're supposed to assume months uh well you're supposed to assume some seasons change because there's yeah. you know leaves falling then it's right. snowing and then it's sunny and the grass is green and right and the montage is basically Will and Charlotte just kind of walking outside and talking and him laying this game down. Yeah, he's, you know, you're putting it out there, you know, showing her who he is. But, <laughs> um... Or is it the reverse? Her laying her game down on him. She did have some game. That's you know, I, that's I, that's what I'm saying. I thought both. I thought they both kind of worked, and, and I thought their chemistry was, was well, those two actors. Um, but yeah, so you just kind of get this montage where you realize over this time they got to know each other better, they became kind of... What do they call them? walking partners? I think is what they called each other. They they went walking and talked a lot, but when he starts to show more than a walking partner interest in her, kind of a, I think I love you. So what am I so afraid of? But <laughs> he kind of does this, and she gets a little standoffish because she she sees this guy that she's with all the time that she likes, but at the same time, she just feels like. She's not seeing the real guy, and obviously she'd be right because at this point, you know, he's pretending to be a vicar named Stephen, which is a good name. <laughs> I think um, we should clarify just what a vicar is. Uh, oh yes, yeah. Go go ahead. <laughs> um, it's pretty much just a preacher for the Church of England. Yeah, you know, I was trying to figure that out too. They never really implied what kind of church it was. You know, it, I'm guessing yeah, it must have been like I don't, yeah. It's like a little a little church in the town, but yeah, he he's basically just the the preacher. He becomes a preacher. Now a vicar is just 
I'm pretty sure he's not Catholic. Cause well, it's not Catholic. <laughs> yeah. He's falling in love with a girl, and she's not afraid to be falling in love with him, so it's not definitely not a Catholic priest or anything. Then there was um, the whole, will you be my wife thing. I'm sure she would have been like, yeah. wait a minute, hold up here. So, yeah, she gets she gets standoffish, and, office, office, and then this whole series of circumstances spreads them apart, and we'll kind of leave some of that out just because a lot of that has to do with some of the deeper plot that we don't want to give too much away because... We want you to be able to enjoy the movie, but I guess you know. In ter- so what happens though is is part of how he's trying to redeem himself is he's doing all this work to redeem himself for her affections is really kind of what it is, and what what's kind of interesting. I just thought it was a really unique love story in that. Really what happens usually in movies is he goes, I think I love you. And she goes, well, maybe we should have sex just to make sure. And then they have sex. And then after they have sex, she goes, well, I'm not sure, you know, or he goes, I don't know. And I I guess to me, I found it kind of refreshing that it wasn't just like, let's go have sex and then we'll talk about this stuff later. That, That it actually kind of had this flowing love story where yeah they're they're not just gonna well we'll we'll be physical and we'll figure out the rest later maybe or something and and uh and so that's the thing it's really him it starts with him really trying to work hard to redeem himself for her um but you know it ends up getting getting deeper than that you know in who he realizes he where he really needs to who he really needs to redeem himself, um, or who can, who can really redeem him is what I should get. Cause he's kind of doing this whole thing. Well, I got to work to redeem myself, to gain her love. And it really gets to a point where he realizes that, um, you know, there's, there's a stain on him that, that he can't get rid of on his own is really, is really something is really the understanding he comes to. And it's kind of the, that's the overall message of the movie. Kind of why they have that, Part of the reason, you know, obviously, he wears a mask, but why that beyond the mask is in the title is that is that he's been using these masks to cover up things or to try to be a different person when really he just needed to just allow the truth to come out of who he really was and allow allow himself to be redeemed by by God. You know, is really is really what it ends up boiling down to um, as far as overall message but what i was surprised by was i didn't really feel like that was hammered down my throat you know like the the christian message that they were trying to get across i didn't feel like it was hammered down my throat like some movies can be um no you uh i'm not a big love love story guy <laughs> but uh um pretty much that's the driving force of this movie is just he's in love with this girl and he doesn't think he can be with her because well obviously he's done a lot of bad things and he has a lot of issues that uh he can't quite just walk away from um but for the most part yeah it's mostly about love and i guess that's that's kind of the main thing um, at least, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that's what I would I would say. Oh um, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely because you know it started as this kind of love between them, but Charlotte, who he's trying to win this affection for, was trying to realize that he needed to see the love of God in him first. You know, it's kind of what they were kind of implying there. But I was just I was just kind of I was just impressed that they allowed the actions and just normalcy of the dialogue and story of the movie to let to tell us that without them having to have some sort of sledgehammer of it at the end like some movies can, you know. Yeah, um I will have to give it to them for not uh kinda not repeating themselves way too much or right. trying to drive certain ideas home. They just let the they just let the the story they were telling speak for itself, and I I guess I was just impressed by that because you don't get that a lot from movies in this genre. Yeah, um, well, that whole driving things home too much thing. I think there's some good movies out there that that's kind of what ruins or doesn't ruin them, but kind of brings them down a little bit. Is it pulls just, you out? And, yeah. It kind of, you know, gives you a slap in the face, and then ten minutes later, yeah. tries to slap you again, and then yeah. an hour later, tries to slap you again, and by the end, you're just like, oh, okay, I get it, let's let's move on. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, when I go back and look at this movie, there I can't really think of a whole lot of complaints in terms of either, yeah, like, like, like Dakota, like you brought up, like, repeating something and hammering it in. Or sloppy direction or sloppy production. It felt like it felt like they were really they were really working on making sure this movie looked right um, to the well to the time you know for you know and, and and even those people like I told you I just felt like they really those people really bought into the characters they were you know and and you felt you felt. When I watched that movie, I never felt like I was watching a 21st century person. You know, I, I bought them, I guess is what I'm getting at. One thing I thought was cool uh, about the way the movie ended, they kind of left it open for a sequel. They did a little bit. You know, yeah. it's kind of a, kind of a, they pulled a classic Hollywood without being Hollywood where it was like, Maybe, but they left it enough clothes where they didn't need to be yeah. or something. And Like, oh, war's coming. We may need you around. So yeah. So don't go anywhere. Yeah, it was kind of a, it was kind of interesting how that, and the other thing I thought was interesting was the the different kind of sinister plots they brought up. They sh- They kind of gave a little historical tidbits at the end where they go, you know, the, these are these are some things we noticed in the history of America, and then they just kind of filled in the blanks with their own unique story. But I thought it was interesting that this is like, I guess you could call this historical fiction, you know, where they base it in reality to a certain extent, but, you know, it was obviously the, the characters aren't real, you yeah. know, as they say. I thought that was kind of interesting, too, um, just how that was, how, how it was like that, too, so... Um, I don't know, you have any more thoughts on the movie, I guess, Dakota? Anything else? Um, no, I think, uh, I think we've kind of covered it all. Yeah, uh, I mean, 
overall, I'd say, hey, just give it a chance if you... I'm sure it'll be coming out on DVD here. I, I would assume, you know, they haven't really given a... Right now, they're really just campaigning for this, you know, bring it to your theater type thing. But it wouldn't surprise me if this came out on video this summer. I can't imagine they'd, they'd linger too long on bringing it out on DVD. Um, I imagine if it got too popular, it would probably get, like, a wider release, don't you think? Yeah, it's hard to say. You know, I don't know if that's what they're... You know... They might be banking on that a little bit, like, you know, if it gains enough steam. I'm guessing to get a wide release, it would have to be a serious steam because I don't know if they really have a distributor other than they use this pro this group called Gather to bring it to places, which is kind of my understanding of Gathers. It almost seems like that other computer thing demand it, or if enough people demand it, it'll come. And that's almost what Gather is, except Gather was like, no, reserve your ticket, and then we'll bring it. It kind of works more on that aspect. So, but overall, you would say you'd give it kind of a seat if you get the chance. Yeah, I would definitely say see it. Yeah, and I, I'm in the same boat. I, I'm definitely a see it. If you get a chance to see it in theaters, um, go for it. I mean, it's, I like I said, I can't really think of anything in it that, and, and honestly, with movies like this, I'm pretty good at nitpicking. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't really think of too much to nitpick on it, so... I definitely say see it. I I left feeling pleasantly surprised, and I felt entertained. I didn't feel duped, um, or ripped off. I felt I left feeling pretty like wow, that was actually a pretty fun movie. So yeah, I'd say go ahead and see it. Dakota's saying go ahead and see it. Uh, we hope you do. Um, just and so like just to clarify, this movie's called Beyond the Mask. <laughs> I'll just say that one more time. Once um, again, having nothing to do with comic books. Nothing to do with comic books, yes. I'm it's... not going to lie. When I um, when you suggested we see this, I thought maybe that's what it was. Yeah, yeah it's, not a, it's not a documentary about co- about superheroes or anything. It sounds like a, a documentary about superheroes or something, or, or the creators behind them or something. But Well, it kind of it reminded me of, uh, wow, completely getting off track here. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the Watchmen comic book, uh, there were one of the characters in her head did write under the hood and that's that's what the title made me think of it's like oh is it yeah sure something like that where this elderly superhero recounts his recounting <laughs> his past or something yeah recounting his heyday that's funny but and then i saw the trailer and i was like oh okay not not what i what i would have expected but the title really fits with the movie yeah and 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 i for one and my wife can verify this I always tell her, I wish there was more revolutionary period movies. I think that's a really interesting period in history. And so it's kind of cool to have a revolutionary war period movie, too. Just me being a, a history guy. Um, but yeah, Beyond the Mask, rated PG. Um, definitely check it out. Um, on just some other other notes, we are on iTunes now. Um, Dakota Boys Talk Movies Podcast. So yeah. so yeah, I was pretty excited to have that work out. Apple is not exactly the easiest friend to have, but but I got it to work out. So we are on iTunes. Um, you know, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Um, if you use any other type of podcast catcher, podcatcher, however you want to say it, um, you know, uh, just like us on Facebook. And I, I'm always putting our feed on there, so go ahead and put that into whatever podcast thing floats your boat. Like me, I use Podcast Republic is what I use. I don't know what you use, Dakota. Use iTunes. Yeah, I usually just go with iTunes. Cause... I use Podcast Republic because I am not an iPod 
um, Apple guy. I have I have Android Kindle things, so yeah. so that's why I I don't. But if you use iTunes, more power to you. We're there. So pretty proud about that. Something to keep in mind, though. Um, summer's coming up here, so you should expect a lot more podcasts coming from us. Yes, and hopefully, we, yeah, and and also, yeah. So we're gonna be. Obviously, through this summer, we're going to be busy. There's a lot of movies we want to see, and we we lo- we are definitely very excited to talk about, as you probably noticed from last podcast. Um, but also, you know, we're okay with you suggesting, hey, you know, if, if it's one you don't think we might see, go ahead and throw it on there. Like, well, you're going to go to this movie? Because we'd like, you know, maybe hear your tidbit about that. You know, we're up for that if you care about our opinion, which if you've made it this far, you must care a little bit. So, so go ahead and do that. But like I said, Facebook, Twitter... Look for Dakota Boys Talk Movies podcast. We're in those places. Um, So, yeah. Uh, This is Steven. And this is Dakota. And have a pleasant evening.